Welcome to Get Your Book Seen and Sold. I am your host, Claudine Wolk. You can find me at my Substack account, claudinewolk.substack.com. We're talking all about publishing and book marketing. If you have decided that you want to write a book and you're trying to figure out how to publish it, or maybe you've already written a book and you're trying to figure out how to market it, this is the podcast slash Substack for you. Our goal is to give you great tips, by example in some cases, to help you get your book seen and sold. So join us through the newsletter or the podcast today and get your book seen and sold. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating. Hello, Get Your Book Seen and Sold podcast listeners. Happy New Year. As 2024 reaches its end point, I am looking forward. Here is a brief previously recorded podcast from my Stories and Strategies for Women podcast that features two very smart and enlightened people with advice that made a difference for them. Marissa Polselli shares how she changed the trajectory of her life, why and how she did it, and how her life changed. Maslow would be proud. Dr. John Murray shares how and why we can polish our internal mirror For better health, yes, but really for a better relationship with ourselves. Toss the shame and self-doubt and embrace yourself. Both of these off-time guests describe life-changing events, and I hope offer a new way to look at yourself and your life in 2024 and beyond. Most importantly, my favorite listeners, please, I beg you. Embrace your gifts, your talents, and share them however you need to do it. All the best for the new year. Thanks for listening. And I can't wait to share the fabulous guests I have in store for 2024 to help you get your book seen and sold. Marissa Polselli is a writer, a speaker, and an educator. You can hire her to write for you, to motivate you, or to help you find your authentic self. And she is my guest today. Welcome, Marissa. What I ended up doing is leaving work one afternoon because I was increasingly unhappy. Um, Not, again, nothing to do with the job and, and nothing to do with the folks that I worked with. It was just that it wasn't where I was meant to be anywhere anymore. So I left work one afternoon. I I told my supervisor I wasn't feeling well, which was true. (laughs) And I I stopped at Rite Aid and I picked up a journal. And I went to the quietest place I could think of, which was a cemetery. And I sat (laughs) under a tree. (laughs) And I said, I'm not going to leave here until I can figure out how to be happy. And um, (laughs) Did you get a lot of stares? Did people stare at you? No one stared at me. You know, it's a very, uh, it's a place where you don't get a lot of interruption, which is kind of why I picked it. <laughs> um, and I began journaling a little bit, but you know, eventually I did have to leave because um, I had to eat and go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, all of those human things right. that happened. But I did go back the next day and the day after that. And um, wow, I just all day long it. writing. Just sitting, thinking, writing, praying, meditating, asking, exploring, reflecting, because I knew I was at an impasse. I knew I was at this crossroads in my life. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to cheat myself. I didn't want to cheat the world. And I didn't want to show up inauthentically in the world. You know, there's this great quote, Catherine of Siena says, if um, if we are who we are meant to be, we will set the world ablaze. 
Oh, and I love I that. that. And I and I believe that I did that and all those other points in my life. I was supposed to be a teacher for that time. I was supposed to be working, helping people understand their healthcare benefits. So it's not like I was discounting anything that came before, but I knew I had something else ahead of me. And by the end of that period of time, what I had written down in that journal is was my first business plan. This was in this was in uh, April or May um, of about five or six years ago, and by December I had started my own company. I had my own website, and people were actually starting to pay me, which was so <laughs> odd at first. And you know, now I'm like, come on, keep paying me. But it was really weird the first time someone paid me money to do something that I it just came so naturally to me, and I had been doing for free for a really, really, really long time, um, and then. I, I sort of worked part-time um, with my corporate job and part-time with my own company until I got to the point where I really couldn't sustain that anymore. And um, in order to support my, my entrepreneurial work and to really live fully the way I thought I was being called to live, I did leave the corporate job and do my own. Uh, I'm, now I'm full-time with my own company as an entrepreneur and I love it. That's amazing. That's five or six years ago that you made wow. that decision. Mm-hmm. Neat. Okay. I'm wondering how you felt when you decided to sit down in that cemetery. What were you physically feeling? Were there warning signs for our listeners who might be yes. thinking about making a change? Yeah, definitely. I was. I had so much inner turmoil about staying in a place where I was no longer meant to be. And again, I really don't mean this to be a slam on the corporate world or on the company I worked for. It was purely that it wasn't where I was meant to be anymore. But I was starting to get sick. Yeah, I had headaches all the time, upset stomach. I was tired. I cried on my way to work. Oh. Um, and then mm-hmm. over time, as you adjusted, because I imagine as you started to feel better, at least mm-hmm. part way you got hungry to feel better all the way. Yes, yes. So that's motivating. Right, you get that little taste of that that freedom and that self-determination. And, you know, you have something, every person has something they want to share with the world. And I felt that I was only half sharing. And that's that's the worst feeling. It's like the stifling feeling, right? So the more I got this little taste of just beginning to open that door, I wanted to just throw the doors wide open and walk through, (laughs) but it took a little bit of time. And you know, everyone's path takes the time that it's supposed to take. Maybe I helped someone in those months that I was doing two jobs. Maybe I helped someone with their healthcare that I wouldn't have been able to help otherwise. We don't know what you know, the good that we're doing sometimes. So I trust that this unfolded in the way it was supposed to. And now after five, six years, and you're doing the business that you were meant to do, how do you feel now? I, <laughs> I love it. It is, <laughs> it is a different kind of exhausting. Um, and of course, the first couple of years of starting your own business Everyone talks about the hustle, right? You've got to put the time in, you've got to hustle. And I do agree with that. However, I, you know, from a philosophical and a spiritual standpoint, I am not a devotee of the cult of busyness, which is what I like to call it. There are people who are like obsessed with this 
idea that you should be the busier and the more tired and hectic you are, the more successful you are. And I just don't believe that. Um, so yes, I understand that the initial phases of the business, you really, you have to put the time in, you have to put the effort in. I'm not afraid of hard work. However, my goal is not to be a busy person. My goal is to be a happy and loving person. And to the extent that I need to be busy to accomplish that, that's cool. But I want to look for ways to um, start to ease that up a little bit and enjoy more of the freedom of the, the, the self-employed life. One of the reasons that, that I've opted for this kind of life. But I do love being self-employed. It is like flying by the seat of your pants sometimes, but at least it's your own pants. Right. right? So, <laughs> so you do have a lot of control over the way you show up in the world and what you're able to contribute. And that's really a wonderful feeling. And that's a great segue into something that we talk a lot about and your description of your transition screams it. And that is being living an authentic life. Mm-hmm. And how important is that for people to understand that by not living an authentic life, you're keeping your talents from the world. I love that idea. Yeah, I think it's so true, Claudine. I think that, you know, sometimes we think of following our dream as selfish, right? right. We think, oh, I've got to do, you know, the nine to five predicted job because that's what it's going to take to pay the bills and support my family or whatever the case might be. And again, I'm not knocking anyone who does a nine to five job or anything like that. But I think that when it comes to following our dreams, it is a lot more of a for others deal than, than we usually give it credit for being. Because when we follow our dreams, we don't just make ourselves happy. We bring to the fore the the talents that we were given, I believe, by our creator um, in the most brilliant way possible, in the fullest way possible. On some other plane, whatever, wherever it is, how you affected the life of another person just by showing up as you are. With us today is John Murray. John is the owner of Murray Chiropractic in Clinton, New Jersey. He was a guest on the Let's Talk WDVR radio show, and he spoke about his chiropractic practice as well as his uh, daughter and his son-in-law are also part of the practice. And we talked about that. And the conversation ended up kind of veering into all things health and nutrition. And I got an overwhelming response from women about that radio show. They wanted more. So I thought it'd be a great idea to bring John onto Stories and Strategies for Women to talk about his knowledge with uh, health and women and stress relief. So I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for being here, John. Great to be here. Well, you know, it helps to put those thoughts in your head that you are healthy. In fact, affirmations can be really, really strong catalysts for optimal health. And uh, um, we do, in terms of um, uh, a very simple form of meditation, uh, can, pr- can activate your physiology to, to uh, be more resistant to negative negativity in the world if we put the right thoughts in our heads. So, but you got to do more than that, though. You can't just think it and make it so. You know, you can't just, there's things we need as human beings, material, food, air, water, if you neglect those elements, you can think all the greatest thoughts in the world, but you still will, you won't have the building blocks to build a body with. 
someday when we're no longer on this planet or we go to the next plane, you might not need anything. Uh, you just you just are energy. But we're not just that. We're a material body organized by an inanimate life force. Over your career, I imagine that you've seen this in practice again and again. You told a story about having someone come to you, uh, an older gentleman who said that, um, hey, I only went for one chiropractic session. Why am I not better? (laughs) So it's really a lifetime of what we're doing to our bodies. No doubt about it. And and you have to look at it as we have a physical body, you have an emotional body, and we have this this basically, basically the it's animated by a, by an energy that people call it many different things, but uh, a life force, a God within, a soul, a spirit, and chiropractic we call it an innate intelligence. But there's something in you that's not in a corpse that animates our body and gives it organization and and uh, control. But getting back to that, yes, no, it's a lifetime. Um, if you look at in the 20s and 30s, there was a man, Marcus Bach, who was a friend of B.J. Palmer, who developed chiropractic, talked about things called survival values. And today we call them lifestyle choices. But you can't, you're only as good as your last day, getting back to that fella there. Um, if you come to me at 18, and if your goal is just symptom relief, if you're 18 and you have chiropractically, and most people relate to chiropractic as just a backache, quick or strain, musculoskeletal type of problem, at 18, it might just be one or two adjustments and you activate better joint health and neurologic health. You haven't been on the planet long enough to develop negative health momentum to where you're 85 or 50, to where now this momentum of maybe making more destructive choices, and it's almost like sounds horrible, but I like the term survival values even more than lifestyle choices. It puts a little more immediacy to it, but everything is cumulative. I suggest to all my patients that your fifth decade is when the accumulation begins to manifest. I know in my own body from doing a lot of physical stuff. Yeah. But chiropractic is ongoing. I, to, we, I think you're getting back to that point where, you know, you don't have to get adjusted the rest of your life. You don't have to see a chiropractor. It might be good. You don't have to eat fruits and vegetables and uh, good uh, food and nutrients and, and breathe air, you, uh, quality, quality over time yields health. So you don't have to, but it would behoove you. And chiropractic doesn't do anything to the spine to make you need to be adjusted. Just like the pain on my house is subject to elements of wind and rain, the elements of stress or wear, the elements of life work on you too. The painter doesn't do anything in my house that makes it need to be painted in five years. It's the wind and the rain and the cold and expansion, contraction. And for us, our spines distort and adapt to physical, chemical, and emotional stresses. And emotional stresses affect us physically, not just how we feel on the inside, but your structure as well. That adapts to the feeling. So it's really, it's simple, but it's What makes it interesting to me is that it's so simple what we have to do to manifest health, but it's rather complicated. But the beautiful thing is your body does the work. If you do a little bit, it's going to reward you. Nothing is random in your body. Every constructive thing you do, your brain and body will recognize it as being constructive and utilize it to propel you more towards health and away from sickness and disease. However, 
things that you do that are negative and there's varying degrees of negative, you know, again, your body will intelligently adapt to that. It will excrete what's more uh, destructive or toxic, utilize what might be uh, absorbable and utilizable in your body, but it's gonna get rid of the toxicity. If you can do more purity as opposed to toxicity, your body has more to work with and can more easily assimilate and build a healthier body rather than worrying about excreting this toxic stuff all the time. That's a whole kind of talk about the five signs of life. But anyway, yeah, you have to be, you're only as good as your last day. Right, right. Yeah. Let's sign us up for the the five, what did you call it? The five? Five signs of life. The it's five signs of life. Old school chiropractic philosophy from the 20s, uh, 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 Dorland's, I'm sorry, uh, Stevenson's textbook. And you, I can I can explain anything about health, whether it's a pharmacist, a neurosurgeon, it doesn't matter. If I can use the context of the five signs of life, they get what we do and how we help people be healthier. Neat, neat. Okay. So to take it back to women, because we are stories and strategies for women, yeah. women, in my experience, tend to feel that um, they put their emotional needs last. They put all of their needs last, quite frankly, and right. especially when they start to have okay. children and a family and, 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 and those, those bad habits, let's say, maybe build up over a long period of time and the stresses that we're ignoring, they build right. up over a long period of time. So for anyone who's listening, who feels like, wow, like everything that you've said there is so, so interesting, but it's overwhelming. And I don't know where to start. There are all these issues, you know, my stress, my health, my nutrition. What, what's a good example of how to get started? Well, if you keep it simple, you want to focus on how, on eating, eating well, thinking well, and moving well. Okay. So we want to break it down into those three kind of categories. And yeah, I've been married going on 40 years and Without a doubt, my wife, Diane, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do what I do unless she was, you know, handles everything. Oh, yeah, I'm Dr. John, whatever. Yeah, but guess what? Uh, there would be no Murray chiropractic. There'd be nothing. I probably, it wouldn't work. So women do place themselves last. And I think women have inherent toughness. They have an inherent empathy and compassion for people. And but they all tempered with, but they're also super tough mentally. I think women can carry on through things. It's probably just from the aspects of you know what what they have to do biologically to give birth, and the connection of that is an extension of everything else in their life. Even if you haven't had children, there still is the the physiology of it all. It's having children is a choice, really. And if you didn't decide to have them, that's okay. But you still have that same physiology, and you will tend to sacrifice yourself. Um, how do you get started? How do you get started? Well, first of all, I would start with before you even simple things work and simple things done consistently, and they don't have to be done for a long time. They just have to be done consistently. It's called momentum. Just a simple affirmation. If you're right-handed, you squeeze your left hand, which is your non-dominant hand, and you can say a simple affirmation while you squeeze your non-dominant hand. The reason why you squeeze your non-dominant hand, it takes more of an emotional response, an emotional effort to squeeze that hand as opposed to your stronger side, which is, I am love. I am love. Yeah, right. So when you say it and you squeeze the left hand, it's subconsciously the tone changes. I am loved. I am healthy. It's whatever you want to say. I am strong. 
I am fabulous. I am fabulous. You know, I, you know, so we all want to be loved. So you, so something simple to change your mindset. And I call it polishing your internal mirror. Affirmations. The key thing is if you just say an affirmation, 50% of the time, and here's the deal. You got to get through the conscious mind, which wants to judge you, which wants to knock you, which wants to say that you are, uh, not up to anything, you know, you're a failure, you know, you're too short, you're too fat, you're too this, you're too that. How but could you if, let this happen? Right. Yeah, you polish your inter- yeah, right, Blank, you get, if you polish your internal mirror, but you got to get through the conscious mind, which is the judge, the monkey brain. So how do we do that? Well, a simple one is just, uh, you can just repeat it yourself, you don't have to count, but I am, I am strong, I am strong, or I am healthy. I am healthy. I act healthy. I feel healthy. That's a really good one. When you say I am, I act, I feel. When you put the feel at the end, that creates an emotional attachment to what you just said. That changes your endocrine or glandular system. You've penetrated the conscious mind and then it imprints on your subconscious, which is truly your heart. You know, you say you feel it in your heart or you feel it in your gut. So you feel it here. So you polish this internal mirror so that when people give you this negative stuff, it just bounces off. It's reflected. It's like water off a duck's back. You know, I remember being told when I was like, I don't know what, what point in school, but, you know, uh, ah, you're, you'll never amount to much. You were horrible at math. <laughs> and I said, well, in my mind, I said, well, screw you. My nanny said, I'm fantastic. There you <laughs> go. There you go. It didn't affect me. Anyway, so you can do squeeze the hand. Like if I, when I ran, I would just, I would just chant. So you penetrate the subconscious by multiple affirmations. It can be prayer, whether whatever. It's not about changing your religion or anything like that. But a Buddhist mala has 108 beads. A Catholic rosary minus the three Hail Hail Marys and the two Our Fathers at the tail has 54. 54 times two, 108. Something maybe is going on there. I don't know. Um, I'm not that smart. But I use a Buddhist mala and I will have an aff- I have many affirmations that I say. And all I do is I, I have a ritual. I have my little quiet spot and I will every morning do the 108 beads, maybe, maybe twice around even. But I find by the time I'm about the 50, you get halfway through that thing, your conscious mind is shutting off. You're into this, I don't want to say mantra, but you've quieted the conscious mind so that what you're affirming is now impressing internally, polishing your internal mirror. It's all about polishing your internal mirror. You have been listening to Get Your Book Seen and Sold with Claudine Wolk. Thanks for listening. And remember to share and subscribe to my Substack, Get Your Book Seen and Sold, at claudinewalk.substack.com. With paid subscriptions, some less than $5 a month, you will have access to all of my resource-filled posts and podcasts, plus a fill-in-the-blank book marketing plan that you can download. At the highest subscription level, you will also get a 30-minute consult with me. When you are ready to make some decisions about your book, subscribe today, and let's come up with a plan.